Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. In our world, we are told to become self-made individuals who don't need anyone's help or assistance. We're trained to believe that our way is the right way. Well, today's study in Ecclesiastes will put that theory to the test, and we will evaluate the nature of human achievement as attained under the sun. What we will see is that it is only a life lived with Jesus that affords us the ability to have lasting happiness and joy through every moment of every day. Thanks for listening and joining us today as we once more examine how to free ourselves from the rat race and find satisfaction in Christ alone. As I have opportunity to uh, coach the 7th and 8th graders in football, um, every now and then I, I will introduce a new play. And uh, Lord help these, these kids, they are doing their best to remember this whole long list of plays. And all, last thing they need is another one. Uh, but sometimes what will happen is we'll get to the line and I'll look and I'll see somebody is out of position. Something looks off. There's a type of illegal formation or a false start movement. And I'll shout, freeze! <laughs> and they all freeze. And I, I'll go up there and I'll say, now, let's walk through this. Let's walk through it. What is, what is your assignment and what are you supposed to do? And without running full speed where we're just running like chickens with our head cut off, uh, we very slowly go through the play. And by walking through it, we remember it. There was a time when I was a, a teacher uh, of the sciences overseas at the, Christ, at the Christian school where we served as missionaries. And every now and then in one of my science classes, one of the students would forget one of the equations, whether that was photosynthesis or respiration, and I would say, all right, slow down. Let's walk through it together. You can get it. Take a moment. You'll figure it out. And little by little, step by step, they get it. And they write it down and remember it. I remember my first day in uh, junior high, which at Florence was over in the high school building. And on my list, the next class of the day was history, but I forgot where history room was. And one of the teachers, it might have been the vice principal, uh, I, I, for whatever reason, I felt very shamed, but I said, I don't know where this is. And he walked me down to where the history room, he walked with me and showed me where I need to go. And you know what? I, I remembered it as soon as I made it down the stairs and I remember past the music room and um, yeah, I just needed a little help, a little reminder. You need a reminder. I need a reminder. We live as those in a world of cultural pollution where the lie that is offered is you are more of a man, you are more of a woman if you can do it on your own. Right? That's, that's the American cowboy, right? That's the self-made individual who don't need no help from anybody. I'll get it done on my own. And I want you to know, church, guilty. I am preaching to myself this morning. Because one of the things that uh, I struggle with is sometimes asking for help when I know I need to, or even worse, being willing to receive help when it's offered. Now, don't leave me hanging up here. Anybody else with me? Anybody else? Yeah. Someone says, hey, man, do you need a hand? I can help you. Oh, no, I'm fine. I got her. Don't worry about it. Don't bother yourself. I, I have no clue what I'm doing, actually. I could really use a hand. We, we need a reminder. And God knows this because this, this culture in which we live is one that the further on you go with buying into the lie that achievement is something that you produce on your own, do you realize the closer you will come to just wearing yourself out completely and then being of no use to anybody? Um, 
Can I get an amen from any of the moms who have had little kids in their homes? Right? Any amens this morning? What that's like? I could really use a hand. I'm going to pull my hair out. I'm going to go crazy. We need the reminder of having somebody who can come alongside us so that we don't either, one, seek achievement that is vain for ourselves, or number two, burn ourselves out and then are no help to anybody. And this comes by being aware of our limitations. As we have been through the book of Ecclesiastes, we have Sunday after Sunday encountered a word that is repeated called meaningless. It's the, it's the word hevel in Hebrew. It means the more you try after it, the less you actually achieve. And for today's theme, we're going to be looking at the subject of achievement. And I'd love to be able to take my sights and put my crosshairs directly on that kind of idolatry that comes in our culture. Where we think achievement is something that I strive after. Because I have no doubt you have encountered this in your life. Whether it is some type of competitive spirit that you have where you need to be better than somebody who lives across from you or somebody you grew up with. Or maybe you've already been adopted into the corporate structure of achievement and promotion. Thinking that it's something you have to strive after. Hear me loud and clear. It will be a chasing After the wind, if you do not find your limitations and then form your strength for what you and I do in this life to serve God and not to serve ourselves. So achievement, that's the subject that we're going to look at today. We're going to be in just three real short passages, but trying to cover quite a bit of ground as well in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to start in chapter four. And as we do, we're going to see that there are just a handful of observations, too, that will come out of chapter four. And then we'll look at chapter seven. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me. Chapter four, starting in verses four, five and six. Page 953 in the Pew Bibles. Starting in verse 4, the writer says, And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. The fool folds his hands and ruins himself. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. The first observation that I want you to see from our passage this morning is that achievement that's sourced out of envy is meaningless. Achievement that is sourced in envy is meaningless. Um, I can remember moments in my life where either it was for material gain that I wanted something better or a competitive spirit where I wanted to do better than the person sitting, sitting across from me. Do you know what I countered in both of those situations? The more I strived to be better, the more I clamored to gain more. You know what I discovered? There was always someone better than them. And there's always something better than what I just bought. So no matter what it is, I could never achieve a sense of satisfaction by striving because I was covetous, because I had a desire within that's sourced in that evil desire to be, just like in the garden, a god in my own eyes, that I would best serve myself because I want what I want. Now, I may be the only one in church this morning that has struggled with greed. No? Yes? 
But I want you to know that if you seek achievement in this life because you're looking across the fence or across the yard or on Facebook, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. This passage out of James chapter 4, James says to the church, what causes fights and quarrels among you? That's not our church, right? Nobody here is fighting. Uh, Don't they come from your evil desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy with God. Um, I want you to see back in our text, it's pretty obvious, but in verse 4, the writer starts out, I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. Uh, Take this one to the bank, church. Lock this one in. And then be very cautious what it is that motivates you to move forward in life towards achievement. Because if it's sourced in envy, it will utterly be meaningless and will not satisfy. Uh, The second one also comes out of this text. It's that achievement that comes at the expense of peace is meaningless. Achievement that comes at the expense of peace might as well not be achievement. Uh, the, The basic way to think of this is that there's a transaction. If you are going to make an achievement, if you are going to be promoted, if you're going to move ahead... But it will cost you peace, right? There's an exchange. There's a transaction. Uh, That is an unfair exchange. Be very, very careful in those moments. Um, Has anybody here ever had that time where you knew you were going to be staying up late or you had to sacrifice time with your family or friends because you just had to knuckle down and get the job done? Come on, anybody? You've been in those moments? How does that feel at the end of it? How do you feel? Feel great or do you feel burnt out? You feel that I actually have surrendered more than what I thought I was going to get in return. You can see this again listed in our passage. Look in verse 5 and 6. He says, the fool folds his hands and ruins himself. So don't be like that. Don't don't be like that guy. Don't don't be the person who does nothing, right? If If you just fold your hands and do nothing, yeah, that's not wisdom either. You will ruin yourself. But look what the other extreme also lists out. Verse 6, better... One handful with peace. You, you see it? One, I, I, I've got one hand that's working and I'm holding on to my tranquility. I'm holding on to peace rather than two handfuls and only having toil and misery and chasing after the wind. You will get moments in your life where you ha- will have opportunity to sacrifice peace. And, and I, I want to I highlight that for you applicationally in two realms. Uh, the first is inward peace. And, and the second is relational peace, uh, external peace, how you relate with one another. Uh, this passage from earlier in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. So here is an example where inwardly, if you are striving for achievement... In this case, riches. What are you going to end up with at 12 p.m. or 11 p.m. at night? 12 a.m. What are you going to end up with? 
Your, your spouse is over there. And what are you doing? Just worrying. You've, you've sacrificed inward tranquility because you've taken both fists to chase after whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. You've sacrificed inward peace. Uh, the second here, this passage from 2 Timothy, um, as Paul's writing here, he, he's recounting somebody who was trying to operate within the church. His name is Alexander the coppersmith. Uh, look at the result here. At the, This is one of Paul's last letters. He says, uh, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Have you ever had something in a relationship break because you were moving too hard in one direction and now and now the relationship is strained or there's tension or it's broken altogether? Well, in this case, I want you to see that the result is what Scripture teaches us the result will be. Remember this passage, God cannot be mocked. A man will reap whatever he sows, right? We're familiar with this? In this case, Alexander was the one who was striving for greatness, who who was seeking attention for himself. And in this case, the Lord is going to repay him. And he has surrendered peace. He has surrendered relational tranquility here specifically with Paul. So I want us to take note, be very careful that you are not with both hands seeking achievement at the expense of peace because that, that achievement will ultimately in your life be meaningless. I'd like us to turn to chapter 7 now as we move to our second passage. Chapter 7 right at the very beginning. Uh, this, is, this is a passage that uh, is very rarely preached ever, uh, but a really, really important passage for us to pay attention to. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7, 1 through 4, the writer says, A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. I hope that uh, those very short proverbs are striking you in a way that's pretty obvious to you. But give me just a moment to clarify so as that you don't think if you're a teenager and your face always looks upset like this, the Bible said, right? The Bible said, sad face is better. (laughs) I just got one. Just a second, just right then. Uh, This is not an excuse to indulge mourning or depression or sadness. Uh, This is instead a call for you to realize you have an expiration date. All of you do. Uh, We had a carton of milk in the fridge that I realized had passed its expiration date. Uh, Yeah, it's a rude awakening if you're not paying attention to the expiration date. And every one of us has one. The observation that we pull from this is that achievement that is ignorant of death will be meaningless. Achievement, whatever you're working for in your life. 
If you are striving after it all the while, failing to recognize your life is but a breath. You are, you are like the grass of the field. You are like the flower that blooms and then fades away. And so all of your striving and effort, and really I hope that you can tell over the last couple of Sundays, this really picks up a major theme through the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, if you can recall, we spent our first Sunday studying it after we did our introduction on the entire subject of death itself. But here I want you to see that achievement too will be meaningless to you. It'll be meaningless because everything you have worked for will amount to nothing if you have not been aware that there is an expiration date to your life. And so this is why it says it's better to go to funerals. Now, come on, be honest. We have kind of an older congregation listening to me today, right? Is it, isn't that helpful when you go to a funeral? It's not just that you get to celebrate the life and that, that was there. It's not only that you get to say goodbye for your final farewells. It's kind of another moment where you say, I wonder what they'll say about me at my funeral, right? Come on, be honest, right? I know you're all thinking it. Uh, That's not a bad way to think about life because it's the reminder that you only have so many days on this earth. And so for you, achievement needs to be tempered according to the brevity and the few days that God has given you. Uh, This doesn't work for teenagers, by the way. Teenagers are invincible. They're never going to die. But hopefully, wise parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, we will be able to model what it looks like to make good decisions that do not seek to glorify ourselves, make achievement for ourselves, but seek to follow after the ways of the Lord who is eternal. Uh, I think that we had this, past, uh, uh, this quote early on, but this uh, one final stanza from a poem from C.T. Studd says, Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. When I am dying, how happy it'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. I don't think that it is the immature Christian that can find solace in those words. But the older you get and the more funerals that you've been to, I hope that wisdom speaks to you here that you'd understand that achievement that's ignorant of death is going to be meaningless in my life. And so I need to live as those who know there is a date and a destiny that God has already set before one of those days came to be. The Lord knows them all, the full number of which, by the way, Jesus will say, worrying about will not add a single hour to. So don't worry. Leave that timing up to God. But we need to be the kind of people who make sure that we're gauging our achievement correctly. All right, so what do we do with this? How can we, in taking this to heart, move forward today and understand uh, a message uh, in Ecclesiastes that will speak truth so that as we go from this place, we will be found as those who can embrace life, right? Because, you know, that's the message of Ecclesiastes. Not to get you all depressed today. Another meaningless day at church. No, that's not the idea. The idea is that you would leave here having recalibrated your perspective so that you can actually seize the moment and seize the day to live for that which truly matters, Well, thankfully, we have a passage as well for this. If you will turn with me to chapter 11, and we'll work through some concluding observations. And finally, on to our application for today. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and we're going to work even into chapter 12 a little bit, starting in verse 7. The writer says, Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. 
But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eye sees, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. So then banish anxiety from your heart. Cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. When the grinders cease because they're few and those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire is no longer stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him. Before the silver cord is severed, or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring, or the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground from which it came, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. All right, now again, let me just help you out here. Sounds a little depressing. Let's, let's, let's take a moment, let's walk through this and actually find out what we can see concerning God's will for our lives. The first thing I want you to look at is pacing. If you're thinking about walking here, if walking is this illustration that helps us to remember, uh, the first thing that you need to be cognizant of is timing. You need to remember that you live under God's timing. This will be very freeing for you. This will be very helpful for you. Um, I couldn't believe that Tom Gursky already gave the illustration that I wanted to with the kids this morning. Do you remember him saying, what's the kid's response when mom and dad say, time to go to bed? (laughs) Time to turn the TV off. (laughs) Time to turn the video game in, right? Right? Now, what's the problem with that? What, What were they hoping for? To play forever and ever, right? To watch TV forever and always, to never have to go to bed. The, the problem was, whose timing were they on? Not mom and dad's, that's right. They were on their own time schedule. You will run into frustration and meaninglessness in life if you are only operating by the false illusion that you set the time frame of your life. You don't. God does. And so the first thing that we need to see is making sure that we get our pacing right. You'll see this very early on in this, uh, the passage we read, verse 8. He says, however many years a man may live. How many years? 40, 80, 100? What did it say? No. However many. You don't know. I don't know. But however many years a man may live... Let him enjoy them all. But look at this. Encircle this in your Bible. But remember, right? But let him remember. Remember what? Well, remember the days of darkness. Remember the funerals. Remember that death is ever before you because you have an expiration date. I got good news for you, church. If you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, how scary is death? 
Do you remember the story in the Gospels? There's, there's a little girl who dies. And Jesus doesn't get there in time. And the folks come from, from the wake now. They say, quit bothering the teacher. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus goes. And he sees them all weeping and mourning. And he takes just a couple of them with him, as well as the parents. He says, the child's not dead. She's only, do you remember what he says? She's only. And what, what do the people do? What are you, look at this idiot. You think, you think, this is, you think she's asleep? She's dead, man. That's why we're crying. That's why we are beside ourselves. But for Jesus, how, how bad is death? It's just like, like you're asleep. So for those who know Jesus, if you have placed your trust and your faith and your hope, not your achievement in what you've done, but you say that cross right there is my all in all. And the blood that was shed there was shed on my behalf. I cling to nothing else than Christ alone. Death has lost its power over you. you. You still may die, but you've been promised to be raised to live eternally with Jesus forever. So death is not something that you have to fear, even though you have an expiration date. Instead, you know what you should look at it as? You should look at it as just like I want my football players to look at it. I'm only giving you so many minutes to be on the field. And when you're on the field, what do I expect? How much percent? 100. Come on. How much percent? 100. Yeah, I sound like a coach here a little bit. I'm, I'm going to be doing that in a couple hours. Come on. How much are you going to give me? 100%. That's right. Because you're only on the field for so long. And then the coach says, time to come off. Same is going to be true for us. And nobody knows. Even as you look around, we don't know who's next. But this is the beautiful thing about being in the family of God. We don't look at death the same way. If you don't have Christ in your life, if you don't have any hope, you mourn as those who have lost everything. But for the believers who die, in fact, this was in the very early church, they would treat, they would treat funerals like celebrations. The, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that you finished the race. The race that has marked out. Let's run it with perseverance. Let's finish the race. Paul says in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. What do you do? Have you ever been to a sporting event at a race, the Olympics or some track meet? When the kids finish the race, what do you do? (laughs) I wish they were running. No, you cheer. They made it. They made it. One of my really good friends on the mission field, a Bahamian pastor named Charles, um, he was a guy that I looked up to, and every time I got to uh, talk with him, really just felt like there was so much I could learn from him. Uh, he, he was much older than me, and I remember hearing one day, uh, he wasn't sick at all, and I just got a phone call, said that he died. And it was on a Sunday. He just finished preaching. He said he wasn't feeling well, so he went home to lay down, and Charles Sands died like that, dead and gone. And I remember hearing that on the phone, and my very first thought was, Way to go, man. Good for you. Like you finished. You finished the race. And that's such a very different perspective. Now, don't let me confuse you into thinking that death is something that's trite. That's the whole purpose of chapter 7, right? The purpose of being sober and allowing your heart to mourn and feel grief is so that we are in tune with our humanity. So we do remember that we have an expiration date, but we have to see very first of all, if you are going to seek to live a life that does not have vain achievement. It begins by remembering you live underneath or according to God's timing. This passage out of the book of James chapter 4. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go about this or that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. 
why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or do that. What's Pastor James trying to get the church to see here? That they need to live under God's timing. Um, how, how does America live, though? It's that, it's that top sentence, right? Yeah, we're going to go and do this and that and build all this. We're called to live differently. So if you learn the pacing, then you will be able to enjoy every part of every day. I hope you, I hope you underline or just record that today. The freedom that you are given in Christ Jesus is to enjoy every part of every day. This is something that I've been trying to do a better job at. I have told you guys before, I think this was on a video back during COVID, but that I'm a um, point B person, right? Just get me to point A to point B. Just get me there. And I forget about the journey in between, right? I'm trying to do a better job of realizing that I only have these few moments right now, even though I'm trying to get to the next thing, I can't miss out on what's in the middle. I can't miss out on the journey that God's taking me through because your call when you live under God's timing is not to just enjoy the destination, but enjoy every part of the journey of every day. Again, look with me in the text in verse eight. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. Not just the destinations, not just some of them, but it begins by setting your pacing. Right. Number two, let's take a look at our steps. We need to remember to make God's justice the compass for our hearts. So uh, the the direction in which you are walking, think of a compass, right? The, The purpose of a compass is to point true so that you can recalibrate your direction according to that which is true. It's the purpose of a compass or, or as we would use today, a GPS, are you taking little off streets? You're going to hear the sound coming from your phone or the system and your car dash recalculating, recalculating. Why? Because you idiot turned off on the wrong road. We need to make sure that we are setting our course and setting our steps according to God's compass for our lives. I want to draw your attention to verse nine. He says, be happy, young man, while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eye sees. Now, that sounds good, right? right? That sounds good to everybody. That doesn't just sound good to Christians. Check it out again. I'm going to read it one more time. Make sure you guys are tracking with me. Be happy while you're young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eye sees. And I just saw Toyota's coming out with a new hybrid Tundra. Brand new design. Woo. Trying to talk Emily into it. Hey, the Bible says. Look here, the Bible says. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eye sees. Bingo. <laughs> Time out. Time out. Let's, let's get the larger picture here and let's be very careful that we understand what the Bible's saying, what it's not saying. This passage, you've already heard it once today. Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful. Above all things. And it's beyond cure. What do you do with something beyond cure? I got this little plant growing in a pot at my house. Man, I'm telling you, that thing loses a leaf every day. It's all shriveled up. There's nothing left. What do I do with it? Do I keep watering it? It's beyond cure. So what do I do with it? 
Put it in the bin, right? Put it in the can. That's your heart, church. That's your heart. It's diseased. It's dying. It's deceiving you. Who can understand it, Jeremiah says. I, the Lord, search the heart and I examine the mind. I reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. That's kind of bad news for us today, if that's true, right? You follow the ways of your heart, which, by the way, that's what it's saying here. But time out, because you have been given a new heart. This passage in a, just a, a later book, in the book of Ezekiel, verse 26, great prophetic message that proves true for the Christian. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. A stony heart is the kind that doesn't respond to God. It's just, do you ever meet anybody like that? Somebody really stubborn, right? hard-hearted? Anybody like that here today? Yeah, you, you, you know what God's in the process of doing? <clears throat> Tenderizing you, right? Taking a little meat cleaver there to that stony heart to soften it up, turn into a heart of flesh so that you do respond to God's leading in your life. I don't know if I could give you better news today than this. Your heart is diseased and beyond cure. You should throw it out, but here's the good news. God's gonna give you a new heart. And when that happens, now you and I can look back into this passage. Now we can look back into verse 9 and we can see happiness can truly be found by following a heart that has been redeemed. And I'm saying this in a way of allowing God's justice to be that compass. Now, where am I getting this idea of justice from? Look with me in the text one more time in verse 9 because I've stopped short. He says, be happy, young man, while you're young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, whatever your eye sees. But no, does everybody's Bible have a but there? Pay attention to this now. But no, for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Hmm. Hmm. My dad used to tell me, um, don't speed when you drive unless you're prepared to pay for the ticket. Right? So you need to know that your actions on this earth will have consequences and that the God of the universe is watching and keeping tabs over his creatures. He will, as we've read in other verses, he will repay according to that which we've done and deserve. So let your heart be changed based upon the knowledge that true north is not determined by your desire. Did you ever hear me on that? True north for you is not determined by your desire. Rather, true north needs to be determined based upon the God who will call all things into judgment. Doesn't that change how you live? Anybody when you were a kid wanted to have a party when your parents are away? Anybody be honest, right? They'll never know. Yeah, guess what? They knew. <laughs> and even if they didn't know, who knows? God knows. So let your actions then be determined by one who knows that God will call all things into judgment. And here's the result. Then be happy and joyful in the direction of godly desires. So this is exactly what the text says. Verse 9, be happy. It says, let your heart give you joy. How can I today have confidence in being happy and having joy? Well, it's because my heart is following the right, true north. I know that God will bring all things into judgment, so my desires are now changed to be his desires. All right, give me an amen if you're good with that. Amen. Uh, one verse here in Romans 8. This is really, really helpful. 
Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live according with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So happiness and joy, it only comes by virtue of having a new heart, a redeemed heart. Number four, we're talking about now our burden. So if you're walking, think about what you're carrying. This says, remember both your limitations and remember God's ability. Remember your limitations and remember God's ability. If you look with me in verse 10, you will see both of these hinted at here. Verse 10 says, banish anxiety from your heart. Cast off the troubles of your body. I wish you had a preacher here today who is like, I'm just happy, happy, happy all the time. I'm not. <laughs> there, there's far too often the Lord tests me with having to choose joy and stop worrying about life. Am I the only one here today that that's like? Anybody else with me? I got two hands. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Here, here's what we need to do. We need to be aware of our limitations. Uh, sometimes some Tylenol and Advil will help you remember that, right? Will remember your limitations. You know, th- these bodies wear out. Guess what? Your spirit will wear out too, and you will be burnt out. Your life will be unproductive when you're seeking achievement for reasons that are meaningless. But you need to remember God has ability. God can do that which you cannot. And you are just a person. You're just a person. There's so many things that you can't do. Stop trying to do everything. Let yourself rest in God's ability, for he has already achieved the victory for you. A few passages I want to give you on this subject too. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter writes, For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Isn't that good news? You're, you're going to be like a flower that blooms and then's done. So stop putting all the attention on the flower. It should be on God's word because that endures forever. And this passage out of 1 Corinthians, right at the very beginning, Paul encouraging the church in Corinth says, He also will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Amen, church? God is faithful. And so what I want you to see is that you can let your burden fall. It's not all on your shoulders. Whatever it is that you're facing, that's not on you. Give it to God. Let God carry that burden for you. And when you do... You will find that you can live free from worry and free from anxiety, which is exactly what verse 10 teaches us to do. Banish anxiety from your heart. Cast off the troubles of your body. Youth and vigor are meaningless, right? Meaning that your life has an expiration date. So live free. Stop trying to carry it all on your shoulders. And feel the freedom of God's ability to carry that for you. All right, last one here has to do with direction. Remember that your spirit will return to God who gave it. So uh, this is the direction that all of us go, and uh, this is the necessary component for us to be able to embrace life. Isaiah chapter 55 gives uh, the church this command. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. 
Do you wish there were more people in church? I do. Do you wish there were more young people in church? I really do. I'm not sure how to fix that, guys. I know I can't. I can't. I believe that God can. And I believe that God will do that through all of us. Do you know we, we have like four, three or four volunteers at our church who are giving of their time to help reach our youth in the middle of the week? How many people do we have in church now? Let me just take a real quick count. But we only have four that show up in the middle of the week. I can't do it. And what a heavy burden to put on the few who are coming. Now, I don't intend to give you a big old heap of guilt here today, but what I really do hope is for you to see that we all carry the same burden, but we all have to work together. We all have to help one another. And it starts by changing the direction of our achievements so that we would seek God first. Seek him while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. This is the problem with the direction of our lives because if you look back in the text, chapter 12, the command comes right here in verse 1 and it gets repeated in verse 6. If you're in the habit of underlining in your Bible, please let me encourage you to underline the command. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then we have, a, I, won't, I won't spend the time expositing all these. It's, it's a bunch of imagery for what it means to grow old, right? This, the sun and the light grow dark means that you don't see very well the older you get. Any amens on that? Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, trembling, strong men stoop. What, what's that talking about now? I talk about my back. <clears throat> the grinders cease. What are we talking about? Mm, that's right, my teeth. How you doing with them choppers as they get older? Paul, how they doing? Young people or old people getting them out? That's right. The older you get, the worse the teeth look. Um, those looking through windows grow dim. The doors of the street are closed. The sound of grinding fades. Look at this next one. Men rise up at the sound of birds. What time do the birds wake up? Too early. Yeah, too early. Closets, right? But all their songs grow faint. What's that mean? Oh, what's that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what's the point of it even? I can't even hear the birds. Um, yeah, you're in, you, you, you lose courage. The, al- the almond tree blossoms, talks about um, white hair. Uh, grasshopper drags himself along. There's no longer desire. And then verse 6, here you have it repeated again. Remember him. Remember him. You and I, if we're going to find joy in this life, if we're going to be able to embrace life's purpose, you need to remember that your spirit is going to return to God. You belong to God. Your spirit belongs to God and he will call it back one day. Amen. Amen. We need to remember that. So what do we do with this? I I have a a second verse as we wrap this up and I want to try to answer the question, how can we do this? Here's my answer to you today. By walking with Jesus every day. When my football players can't remember, you know what we do? We walk through it together. When my students can't remember the equation, you know what we do? We walk through it slowly together. And when I can't remember where the history room is, someone walks with me there. You need Jesus to walk with you, not just today on Sunday, but every day. Because Jesus will remind you of the life that is lived for achievement of God's glory and not your own. The verse that we have was in Matthew 11. Come to me, Jesus says, All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let me offer to you four things that walking with Jesus will give you. Number one, Jesus will set your pace. Now, when you graduated from college, you wanted to be a millionaire, right? You knew that this is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to work, 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 work. I'm going to become CEO of whatever it is. And then God said, I'm not sure that you have the right pace. Have you ever, um, have you ever walked with a partner, like for exercise or something? Right? Sometimes it's really helpful because they help set the right pace. Well, walking with Jesus will help set your pace. And this is his invitation. Come, come to me. Look at the rat race around you. Look at America going nuts. Everybody burning themselves out. Suicide rates higher than ever. Depression higher than ever. Jesus says, come to me. Look at my pace, you guys. Why are you going crazy out there? Come to me for Jesus will set your pace. Secondly, Jesus will protect your steps. Look at his call. His call is to those who are weary and burdened. It's a dangerous world out there. Not only do you have the vain glory of self-made achievement that will amount to meaningless. We've covered that already. But there's sin in your life. There's sin out there that will, that will destroy the relationship that you have with God. Do you know what the answer to sin is? He has a name. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is interceding on your behalf. His blood has covered over your sins. So Jesus takes that burden from us and allows our everyday steps to be protected. Protected from God's wrath. Protected from following into a false way of deceiving ourselves towards success. Um, you, you and I could think of many examples. One that comes to my mind is when I was hiking uh, much younger uh, with my parents out west. We did a family trip, and I can remember one trail uh, where it got kind of narrow. And in fact, it was, it was in a, uh, South Dakota at the Badlands. Uh, I took my family to the exact same place this year. And I remember as we walked out there, the, the path got very, very narrow. And one of the things that we made uh, Sadie do was hold my hand, right? Because if she walked alongside me, she very less likely could slip and fall. Are you walking with Jesus? Or are you kind of out there winging it on your own? I don't need no help. I got this. It's very dangerous because you could slip. And you will slip. But walking with Jesus will protect your steps. Number three, Jesus will lighten your load. Look at the invitation. He says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke here stands in place as a body of teaching, Jesus is offering it in opposition to that of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, it was work, 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 work. Righteousness is something that you do on the outside. Jesus says, take my yoke. It's not about external righteousness. It's about living with me, walking with me. And so Jesus will lighten your load. Stop trying to achieve success on your own. Walk every day with Jesus. And you will find that those stresses and challenges become all the lighter. And lastly, Jesus will route your direction. Jesus will help you remember that it is God who gave the spirit and it is God who will call it back one day to account. The invitation from Jesus is take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
I remember hunting with my father. I've given you this illustration before, but it's perfect here. When I was a kid, about 12 years old, we're walking through the woods, and here I am dragging my feet, trying to step on every stick I can find. My dad constantly, hey, shh. A few more steps. Hey, now, shh. Hey, Ryan, watch this. Wherever I put my foot, that's where you need to put yours as well. And so I began to just, wherever he would step, I would try to step. Look, we're, we're wrapping up, right? This is the end, but let's just get real for a minute. What does your life look like? When you get up in the morning, how quick are you to check your phone? Right? When you start your day, how fast are you to worry about your emails and whatever decisions you have going on in life? Where does Jesus rank in your life for priority? If you have found that my wheels have been spinning of late, if you found that depression and anxiety, I've been struggling a little bit, let me just give you the really gentle reminder. Jesus is right there saying, why don't you come over by me? Why don't you spend more time with me? Let me set the pace for your life. Let, let, let me protect your steps and lighten your load. Let me point you in a better direction. And let us all be careful how much we strive after the wind under this sun. Instead, may we follow Jesus every day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.